All right. We'll go ahead and get this thing going. We good? All right. You got to get them. All right. I have to. I know. I know. I have to herd these people back to their seats. <laughs> Here, Eliza, you want to help me herd everybody back to tell them to come back to their seats? Sure, sorry. <laughs> but do it gently. <laughs> do it gently. <laughs> All right. All right, we're going to start up, so if everyone wants to grab a seat. <laughs> Eliza is helping to herd everyone back to their seats. <laughs> Thank you, Eliza. All right. <laughs> oh, here we are. All right. So, good to see everybody. Um, thanks for being here this morning. And um, again, my name is Jay, and I hang out with the teenagers here. So, um, I wanted to start and have us just kind of read through this scripture, and um, we're going to have some surprises in terms of what we say about the sheep um, this morning as we get going. But uh, let's, let's dive in and read this, and I, I'm just going to walk through it real quick with you. This is John 10. Uh, I think it's 1 to 21. Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter by the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. See if that's going. It's not going. I'm having a problem with that. I don't know why. Well, yeah. Okay. We'll see what happens. I'll keep going. <laughs> okay. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. I need, I'm, it's not working, I don't know why. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Still not going. I need to go another one. Okay, there it is. Oh, there it is. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? All right, so when you spend uh, years around a church or ministry, and I've, I've been working around churches ministries for about 32 years now, um, you can often slip into certain biblical defaults, okay? Biblical defaults, here's what I mean by them. They're ideas based on Scripture. They're not Scripture themselves, but we almost treat them like they are. They have some truths, uh, but we make them almost bigger than that. Like, here's one right here. Everyone know this one? Let's read it together. One, two, three. Love the sinner, hate the sin. I think that's great. What does that mean? You know, do we even know what the person's real sin is? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't love the sinner while hating the sin. I'm saying we need to know what we mean when we say that because that has a lot to do with the decisions we'll make and how we deal with it, right? So here's another one. Let's read this one. One, two, three. God will never give you any circumstance you can't handle. Okay? That's a lie. God gives us circumstances all the time that we can't handle. Right? Yeah. The fact we can't handle them is the point. Right? Yeah, God is teaching us to depend on him. Right? Yeah. So, biblical defaults. Anyone have another one? A couple of them real quick. Any others? I'll give it about five seconds. Any other common phrases that are actually not scripture, but we tend to use them? Let go and let go. Oh, I've heard that one a few times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's that mean? Okay. Yeah. Other ones? Oh, clean, cleanliness is next to godliness. There you go. Beautiful. Some, some of the people who like to keep the house orderly are going, no, wait, that's not in scripture. No. Right, especially the Enneagram ones. Those who know the Enneagram know what I'm talking about. Anyways, anyone else? Oh, I've never heard that one. Too blessed to be depressed. Dad, that's good. I like that. Okay. <laughs> that's funny. Some, sometimes I'm blessed and I'm depressed. You know, who knows? Um, but this is one, apologies, I think we need to rethink. This actually connects exactly, but kind of goes the opposite way of what you were saying. And I actually had this beaten in my head as a youth worker, um, as a young youth worker. And we taught this with a few facts, but not a completely clear understanding. It's partly true and it's partly not. <laughs> That's why I was saying all apologies. But uh, you guys ever heard this one? I mean, beyond this morning, I heard this like 300 times over. And I think it's partly true and it's partly not. Um, it's easy to think that sheep are stupid when, well, let's, let's shift to the next one here. Just, I mean, just look at some of them. There it is. There it is. Just look at him. I mean, he just kind of has this dumbfounded look about him. 
you know? They're not, they're not the most sophisticated animals out there, right? Okay? So this is, we're going to look at sheep for a moment versus other animals. Okay? All right, why is it not going here? Something's up with the clicker. We'll see if it works. Sheep versus owl. While owls have dignity. <laughs> then we've got sheep versus cow. Sheep's la- sheep lack the indifference of a cow. You kind of have to go by a cow. Cow's like, yeah, whatever. But sheep kind of look at you like, what are you doing near me? <laughs> right? This is, um, they have the ferocity of like no animals. Every other animal I think is more ferocious than a sheep. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah. So they don't come off as sophisticated, fierce, or anything like that. But I'm going to take a stand for the sheep this morning. Kind of sounds funny to say it that way. It's like, but, I, and this is not just a straw man argument I'm setting up here. Um, I've heard Christians say over and over, and we, and I said it myself, sheep are stupid just like we are. It's amazing God puts up with us. See, that's kind of true, but we can say that cynically or we can say it with a sense of awe and amazement of God. So I think this, when we say that they're just stupid or kind of lock them in on that, in a way we're discrediting our value and identity in Christ. And we misunderstand a critical part of who God is and the love he has for us. So this morning, I, I want to talk first about the sheep whom the shepherd loves. And then we're going to bring the focus back to the shepherd. So first, let's talk about sheep. Uh, We may look at a sheep and say, what a mess. Does anyone know of other Christians they think of when they think of sheep? Who are kind of like, okay, that person's a little annoying. Ah, God loves them. God loves them. Yeah. Anyone ever feel that way? Sometimes that's what I do if I'm honest, if I confess. That's sometimes what I do. I'm not saying it's right. Um, And then I have to question whether I am that person in someone else's world. I'm the one they're annoyed with and put up with, (laughs) you know? Um, But you'll notice that whenever Jesus, the good shepherd himself, talks about sheep, he never disparages them. He never belittles them. You know, it's like their awkwardness doesn't faze him at all. It's, not, it's a non-factor for him. But what does Jesus say about them? Let's talk about this a second. Put, I want some hands on this. Who here can think of moments when Jesus um, refers to sheep? There's a few of them when Jesus actually mentions sheep. Hmm? Which one? Okay. Oh. Yeah, when they, yeah, shepherd goes after the lost one, right? Yeah, the one that leaves. That's beautiful. Luke 15, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. Exactly, the sheep without a shepherd. These people are, he looks out and sees this mass number of people who are starving for spiritual guidance. And he says they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he had compassion on them, Right? How about the sheep and the goats? Think about this. Who are the sheep in that account? They're the believers. They're the people who saw the hungry, sick, or lonely and actually helped. 
They're the people who have the mark of the Spirit in them such that this is the good things are coming out of their life. The goats get the bad rap here, not the sheep. Now, we could have a whole other message on goats. I don't know if you want to do that sometime. But, you know, now goats get the bad rap. Um, but what is Jesus' attitude towards the sheep in these scriptures? Anyone? What things do you see in his attitude? What attitudes? What? what? Yeah, love. Just compassion. Oh, man. Anyone else? Yeah, it's not begrudging at all. Yeah, he, he's like, he's not angry at them. He's just... Loves them. He knows they wander off. I think of ownership. Like, these guys are mine. They matter to me. It's not just that I love them. I, I own them and they're mine. I also think this is true. Um, there's kind of a right sense of who they are as sheep, right? Like, he doesn't give them the, I'll call it the Thanksgiving Day dog show treatment. And have you ever watched that? Right after the parade in the morning, we sometimes do. You know, like, these sheep are the perfect animals, you know, that's why I love them. You know, look at this sheep, it's, look at its lines, its exquisite structure. Yes, this, they're amazing specimens. No, he doesn't do that. He, he knows they're sheep. He's not kidding anybody, they're sheep. But he also never shows contempt for them. He doesn't begrudge them, as you said. And if anyone does show contempt for them, Jesus is furious. He's not only, I'm not going to do it, you better not. Like, think of the religious leaders. They had contempt for the sheep. The people who should have cared for them dropped the ball, and not only dropped the ball, but through an interception. They basically cut deals with the Roman Empire that made themselves wealthy, but they left the sheep in their care, the people of Israel. They left them to fend for themselves against this mighty empire, they had no chance. They had no chance. Rome, you want to tax these people um, and an extra 50%, even though they can't pay their current taxes, and then take their children as slaves when they can't pay? Sure, go ahead. We're not going to bite the hand that feeds us. Jesus' contempt is for those who mislead and sell out the sheep, not the sheep themselves. He takes their welfare very seriously. Now, this doesn't mean sheep don't have their quirks, okay? The scriptures do talk about sheep who have gone, what? Astray, yep. And often they wander off because they're hungry. Um, also, sheep are rather dependent creatures. They can't really, can't really defend themselves that easily. Anyone ever watch a sheep run? <laughs> it's... They can be fast, but it's pretty funny to watch. They're like carrying these gigantic bodies on little teeny legs. Yes. I want to tell you a true story that illustrates both the intelligence of sheep and sheep's limitations. Um, have any of you ever heard of Shrek the sheep? No. Did anyone? As anyone? Oh, this was a world phenomenon about 20 years ago. So, But in 1998, here's the story. Shrek was a, what's called a merino sheep, I guess, from off the South Island of New Zealand. And it ran off in order to avoid being sheared. It knew that it was about to be sheared, and it ran off. Shrek's owners searched for, for him. 
After a while, the owners uh, figured Shrek was dead, and they gave up the search. In 2004, six years later, Shrek was found alive and in reasonably good health. Turned out this was what had happened. Shrek had been living in a cave. He had been subsisting off the meager grasses that grew near the cave. Um, there, were, there wasn't much, but he didn't have any other sheep to f- share it with. So he was, it was pretty much all his. It's New Zealand. There's no really significant predators. There's no wolves or anything like that. When Shrek was hot, he went down in the cave and cooled down. When he was cold, he came out in the sun and warmed up. But Shrek wasn't cold very often. Remember, he hadn't been sheared for six years. Let's take a look at what Shrek looked like. (laughs) Yes, that's really a sheep. That was what he looked like after six years of wool growing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This was a big thing in New Zealand. People all over the country tuned in on live TV and watched as Shrek was sheared for the first time in six years. I'm sorry, that's just really, that picture cracks me up. He'd grown a fleece weighing 27 kilograms. And since most of us speak American, that rounds out to 60 pounds, (laughs) okay? Enough wool to make 40 large men's suits, okay? And here is Shrek after his shearing. You got it? It should be the next one. See if it works. Oh. And there he is. Look how tiny he is after all that. Underneath it, there was still a little teeny sheep. (laughs) It's so funny. I think Shrek's story shows both the limitations of sheep and their intelligence. Here, can we go to the next one? Oh, here? Yeah, you got it. Okay. I think they showed the limitations of sheep and their intelligence. Look, there are ways in which they are kind of stupid. Let's acknowledge that. You're absolutely right. And then there's some other sides. Here are the limitations. But then we're also going to learn a little bit about um, their intelligence. And we're going to learn a little bit about how this affects, this, this ties in, that what this tells us about us as God's sheep. So Shrek wandered away from his owner's provision. I mean, he may have survived, but he left behind green pastures to live in a cave, okay? Do we ever do this? Do we ever abandon the good things God wants to give us and then wonder why something's missing? We were meant for him. He ran away from a shearing that would have benefited him greatly. Do you and I have things we have to let go of and God knows that we need to, but we don't want to do it? Kind of like extra wool or other things in our life that are kind of like extra wool. I think Shrek is a brilliant illustration of our own limited insight into what's good for us. We are all Shrek. But we also see intelligence. I want to give you a few did-you-know items about sheep and tie this in. Did you know that sheep can sense a predator 
from over 1,000 yards away. That's like 10 football fields right there. Laugh at Shrek all you want, but at least he sensed trouble and he knew to get away. Now, the trouble was actually a shearing. That was, would have helped him, but he knew to get away and he figured it out. Sheep have an excellent peripheral vision. That means around the sides and a keen sense of smell. Again, laugh at Shrek if you want, but somehow he survived for six years. Now, this is not so much about Shrek. These are other intelligent things about sheep. Did you know that sheep know not to show pain, if at all possible, since pain will do what in the presence of a predator? Show weakness. And often that's who the predators will go after, right? So they, uh, they actually have a high tolerance for pain and try not to show it. That's interesting. Sheep also recognize the voice of their shepherd. I was going to show a video. We had a hard time pulling it up, but they, there are some YouTube videos you can pull up and check out and look up shepherd calls sheep or something like that on YouTube. And it's amazing. The sheep really won't listen to anyone else, but when the shepherd calls, they'll run right to him. It's really amazing to watch. It's so cool. And there was actually one I saw of a little boy who's been around the sheep ball for years, and they all recognize the little boy's voice. So he goes, come on, sheep, come on, sheep, and all the sheep come running to him. It's amazing. They know their shepherd's voice. So let's clarify the not-stupidity of sheep as it applies to us. Guys, I hate to say this, but in this, sheep are not our equals. They're our superiors. They're our superiors. Because how much noise do we listen to? How much noise do we let get to us? Like some of us, it's the worst opinions that people have of us. While we ignore those who love us and all the good things, we only hear the bad. You ever notice that? We don't always filter that well. We believe the lies about ourselves instead of the truth. Others of us listen only to music or other culture or follow culture that denigrates people, that lowers our value because it's somehow some tastemaker decided it was cool. Others of us watch news networks that make money off of making us angry or terrified. And I'm talking about on both sides. I'm not saying there's not stuff to worry about, but do you listen to that more than you listen to your good shepherd? We could all learn a few things from how sheep filter the things they don't need to hear. Here's another one. Um, recognition of one's own vulnerability is not stupidity. Sheep can't easily defend themselves, it's true. They're kind of skittish. They act a little weird. Um, you know, they, they don't know who or what might be dangerous, so they tend to fear a lot of things. Does that make sheep pathetic or self-aware? Who's smarter, the person who insists that they know everything they need to know 
or the person who knows their limitations. I know which one I would trust. And it's the person who knows their limitations. What would be stupid would be if the sheep attempted to fight a predator. Like a wolf came along. I want, I'd Google to see if I could find a photoshopped picture of a sheep bearing its teeth against a wolf. And I think someone at this church should make one. That would be awesome. Um, it would be the quick road to extinction. The wolf is winning and the sheep is not going to walk away from it. But sheep are not extinct. Somehow, they know that they can't handle it. We are all wiser when we recognize our own need for a good shepherd. So, you go to the blank right after that? Thanks, man. We've talked about the sheep. They're kind of awkward. They're helpless. They're vulnerable. They're skittish. They're prone to wandering off. Yet, they're deeply loved and valued. And in health... When we're like them, we're aware of our own neediness, yet don't have any shame about it. If any part of that is hard for you to reckon with, the vulnerability, the needing, then it may be that there's an inner wall that keeps you from experiencing God's love. Because God loves you, and you don't even know how much you need him. If you study the Enneagram, we talk a lot about this when we do those groups. So, But it kind of focuses on how we all do that in different ways. But God's love is there no matter how we receive it. And this brings us, we've talked about the sheep. Now we're going to bring it to the good shepherd himself. Let's go back to John 10 for a bit. Um, oh, yeah. There we go. Um, the sheep hear his voice. This is verse four. Let's take a look at that again. When he has brought out all of his own, Jesus says he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The shepherd has to work painstakingly to show the sheep that they can trust him. I mean, it's a long process. I don't think that those people in those videos it's been years of showing the sheep that they can trust them. Our good shepherd is in it for the long haul. So, which brings us to, you got the next one? The shepherd provides, let's read this. I am the gate. Pastor Joe, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Woo! Thanks, man. Um, so, it says, I am the gate. Who, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This will teach something about our good shepherd. Um, need to hit a couple slides here. I'll see if they work. In America, we can misunderstand this idea of what a pasture is. Follow this closely. I didn't realize this. Um, I often think of, you want to go to the next one? A Kansas plain full of tall grasses. Or the next one. Even better, the hills of Ireland. Doesn't that look like great grazing territory for you? 
Isn't that wonderful? I could like be a sheep there forever, you know? But this is what Jesus was talking about when he said that. That's all good. No worries. It's the one that was right after Ireland. That one right there. This is actually what Jesus was talking about when he said this. He was talking about this place. When I see this, I'm going, wait. This is green pastures? And the funny thing is we read Psalm 23 a little bit ago and we prayed through Psalm 23. Well, this is the same area David would have reflected on when he thought of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures? It's kind of odd. How should we interpret this? Well, God does provide for our needs. But as the shepherd wants the sheep to learn and trust and follow him, God wants us to learn to trust him for every provision. In this section of Israel, what I learned as I looked this up was that every night, just a little rain from off the Mediterranean Sea falls, allowing a little grass to grow at the base of some of these rocks, just a little teeny bit of grass. The plants are there, but the sheep have to kind of look for them and eat them one at a time. What does this tell you about our good shepherd? Our idea of green pastures is a little more like Ireland, right? I'm, I mean, we often expect God's provision to be like that. Like I picture myself lying there in the grass as a sheep. Look at this field of abundance. I can graze anytime I want. This is amazing. And then we're disappointed with God when life isn't like that. But our good shepherd leads us through a land of desolation. Our world is a little more like this, isn't it? But he gives us what we need day by day. This is more like life. God, how will you possibly take care of me in all this? And God's saying, trust me for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. I've got you today. Or maybe what seems like a wilderness in your life is actually a green pasture. And God's just trying to lead you through it and show you how to trust him. So that's a, that's a pretty powerful thought, huh? Next one is um, the shepherd sacrifices for his sheep. Jesus says the, this is the big one. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Start with this. Being a shepherd was not a glamorous job, okay? It was a lowly job. We have a positive connotation of being a shepherd largely because of Jesus, I think. You know, but because in his time, when the shepherds were the first ones to, to get to worship him after he was born, it was because they were the lowest and God was reaching out to them. It was like, that's counterculture. How could you have that happen? The sheep, who, who would want shepherds to come? You know, shepherds in Jesus' day were shunned as dirty thieves, socially on par with tax collectors. Well, we know that, that was pretty bad. 
Jesus associated himself with the lowest people in Jewish society. He was willing to take on the weakest elements of our humanity. Then imagine the life of him as the shepherd and how this ties to Jesus. Not having a social life, sheep become your occupation, your livelihood, your annoyance. You can't get away from them. They're always there. And no one else wants to be around you because you smell like sheep. So there you are, stuck with sheep all the time. And oddly, they become your best and only friends. Apply that to how Jesus loves us. How many times would we, how many things do we do that Jesus would get annoyed with and walk away from, yet he can't get enough of us? And that's before we even get to the cross. Let's look at this picture again. Last, next one. And that's just the shepherd, sorry. One after this. Yeah, that's pretty rough life there. I like that picture. Jesus values the sheep's life over his own life. He's not only the good shepherd, but he became the sacrificial lamb himself. Do you need any more proof that Jesus just loves and values his sheep? So I want to bring this together kind of to close up this time. We have a God. Let's reflect for a moment, and then I want to kind of lead us into quiet for about a minute before we have one more song, okay? We have a God who becomes the least of us, who loves the worst of us. For some reason, he values us in all of our vulnerability, and it's beyond anything we can explain. Somehow he just loves us. He holds us in high esteem, never in contempt. He provides constantly, even when we don't notice or thank him. Sometimes the things we complain about are his provisions. He teaches us to trust in him, not in the circumstances, but in himself day by day. And he gives his life for us when it appears that there's nothing worth saving in us. He somehow sees that in us and then helps us become everything we can be. I just want to ask you to reflect for about a minute before we do one more song and just have a minute of quiet. What do you take from this? What part of the shepherd's true, uh, what part of who God is as the shepherd do you need to understand better and take ownership of? Or what part of his love for you do you need to know better? So why don't we take a minute and just be quiet before the Lord and say, Lord, show me how I need to know you better. Let's do that. God, we're all sheep. Help us to realize that your love for us is bigger than what we think we are. And help us to live out of knowing that we are loved and valued by you as messed up as we all may be, as skittish as we all may be, you are true, you are the good shepherd, and you will never, you will never stop chasing after us till you've got us. Thank you so much for your love, God. Amen.